You're listening to the Beat Motel Zine podcast, and we need to warn you that we use words like sh**, bollocks, scrotics, fuck, anarcho-syndicalist, and c**, and we don't normally beat those words out, apart from the word c**, because we're not total animals. Now, we know, as well as you, that your children can hear these words on any street in Britain, possibly any street anywhere in the world, but we also appreciate that you may not want to invite these words into your home if you have children or sensitive pets nearby whilst listening to this podcast. So listener discretion is advised. That being said, if your children aren't allergic to hearing words like fuck, shit, buttocks, or hind penis, they might learn something from listening to this podcast, although probably not because the quality of our educational content is quite poor. So there you go, fuckers, buckle in, and let's get started. Hind penis. Yeah, hind penis. <laughs> a hind penis. I, was trying to th- I wanted something that sounded rude, but, but wasn't all that shocking to sort of slightly leave in the uh, disclaimer there. Fair enough. Uh, I guess I should say hello. Welcome to Beat Motel. Uh, we're taking a bit of a change in the books this time, and it's a short one, so we're just trying to get to the point of things. Um, I'm Sam. With me today is our friend Andrew. Hello. Say hello, Andrew. Thank you. Hello, Andrew. Um, and Hello, Andrew. And uh, what's the theme today, Andrew? The theme is base. How low can you go? In brackets, morally. <laughs> just want to point out, I'm afraid the, the new sign hasn't arrived, so I'm still using the old one there. You can probably hear on the microphone. New um, microphone. New microphone. And it's not, it's a bit further from your face, so we can see the beautiful, the beautiful features. <laughs> um, we don't have time to go into what happened, has happened to your tooth. Um, uh, well, yeah, and Bill will just mention that this is on YouTube as well now, so the, the, there is visual gags. Um, no visual knob gags, hopefully, but. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so I took that as bass riffs, and you took a bit of a different direction uh, in I, some I, ways. I don't know if I did. It, it, it possibly came about because you and I are both bassists. Yes, I, I, I really struggled narrowing narrowing it down to four tracks. Uh, I think this is this may be the first of many bass themed um, bass themed episodes. Yeah, why not? Yeah, should we get on with it then? Yeah, see, I'm because you're the host. I'm not going to prompt you at all. I'm just going to let you let you do it. So, uh, riff of the week. We're going to start with yours. Do you want to? Should I just play it and then we'll get to it? Yeah, play it, and then I'll explain it. into that uh is the bleeps and skipping coming across to you the bleeps and crackles are, are there but it won't be on the final recording okay sure that, that's that's just what we're hearing the listeners shouldn't hear that okay uh good to know because otherwise i need to figure out another way of recording these teething issues anyway andrew go 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 that is bert yansh um in he was in another band called pentangle but this is from a solo album of his called and I know they, it sounds so so metal, doesn't it? Um, another a solo album he did in the seventies called "Shit," I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> that track's called "Interesting." 
<laughs> that track's called Bitten, though, and I chose it because, well, for one thing, I've been choosing a lot of metal recently for my riff of the week, and I thought the simplicity of that is so wonderful. It is just a double bass, see, on brand, double bass and guitar. But the way they weave around each other, I just think is is really charming. It's 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 got quite a lot of oomph to it yeah. for something that I Bert Yanks was you know considered folk. What well, considered folk? He was he was folk. Uh, I don't mean he was folk as in as, as in he was human. I ought to just say, listen, is this the earliest in the morning we've recorded a podcast so far? <laughs> I'm, not yes. sure I'm, I'm not sure I'm all that with it yet. I do have <laughs> firing, not firing all cylinders. Um, yeah, I, I, it was uh, your choices this week surprised me, and this was uh, one of those. Um, there was uh, that surprised me, but I'm, I've taken the same sort of thing. I've, I've thought that, um, you know, it's sort of, I think, yeah, I do lean to metal quite a lot of the time at the moment, um, which is mostly reflective of that, not my musical taste, but in a way, the musical media that I, I just sort of find myself browsing when I'm bored. Um, and I've sort of decided to challenge myself to not pick so much metal and also sort of try to emphasize other aspects of music I like. And with that, uh, we're going to start with my track of the week, which is this. Hey. <laughs> nice. So that was, uh, do you want to guess? God, fuck knows. It was wonderful, though. Uh, that was uh, Mary Halverson, who is a oh, New no, York. I got that. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's, played, she's played with musicians you would have heard of. She's, she was in a band with um, Trevor Dunn, who was the bassist in Melvin's for, for a bit. And also, I mean, who hasn't played a bass in Melvin's for a bit? Um, but he was also in Mr. Bungle, I believe, and a few other sort of, oh, of those right. avant-garde. But he's a he's sort of, I think, his choice of medium is uh, for his own expression is jazz. And she's an experimental New York jazz guitarist. She's written some. She did a f- an album a few years ago where she got Robert Wyatt to come out of retirement and sing mm. a few songs. And um, yeah, she put out an album. I think two albums last year. One which is sort of with a more traditional jazz guitar setup, and the other one which is with a more with like a chamber, small chamber ensemble. I think it was a chamber pot for some reason. Chamber pot, (laughs) (laughs) small just her on a small chamber pot. (laughs) And uh, yeah, and I was just listening around. I was listening to that music whilst I was hacking away at some work, and it just hit me. It was really good. Uh, It's a it's a very nice one. And uh, the album, is, which is what uh, called Amaryllis, uh, something like that, is excellent. Really, really good. Uh, Amaryllis of flower. I think so. Yeah. Hmm. Sorry, somebody. Somebody's just walked in the room. Hello, Richard. Thank you, Hi. Richard. Sorry, we're recording at the moment. Um, 
Carry on. You're the host, Sam. Keep it moving. I am the host. I'm, well, no, I know I'm the host, but I, I, I feel so feel rude to interrupt when <laughs> you're being interrupted and trying you're, to deal with it. You're so polite that you're in Helsinki, I'm in Ipswich, and, and you don't want to be impolite to the person who can't hear you who's in the room with me. <laughs> that is that is super polite. You're very Well, lovely. I didn't want to be, I, didn't, I, I can't talk when someone else is, I can't think so clearly when someone else is doing something else. Well, I think so. I want to introduce now. Richard, can you come say hello, please? So this, this is my friend Richard. In the shot. Yeah, yeah. So, so podcast listeners, this, this is Richard, who who was um, I've known you from loads of bands. Dangerous Close oh, was yes. Penny yep. Red. Were you yep. in Penny Red? I was in Penny Red. Yes, you were in Penny Red. Yeah. And uh, there you go. So Thank that, you. that's probably not going to mean so much to anyone who's not watching on YouTube. But <laughs> that was Richard. Thank you. Okay, so that's we our get first on. guest. That's our first, our first guest between you and I. Yes, <laughs> you've done loads of guests, uh, but anyway, uh, first, first, first base of the week goes to this. Oh, just one of your, I'm just, I'm, I'm really excited because the, the reason we switched like this is I always knew Sam's choices, so we switch. Oh. I'd be amazed if anyone doesn't know what that is. I, I had no idea. My mum was, my mum, my mum was a big fan of that band. But I am I, genuinely surprised by that. I and she saw them at the. She always, oh yeah, I think she saw them at the uh, Royal Albert Hall. That's where and, that recording's from. And uh, I'm pretty sure. Well, she saw them at least once, but yeah, and she liked to go on about Ginger Baker. I don't know why. Seen, the Ginger Baker documentary is brilliant, but who was that? That was Cream with, with Crossroads, and I chose it because, for one thing, I think it might be the first the first song I ever heard that I, I realised what a bass guitar even was. We're listening to it at Friends of the Family, and my, my dad, the, the dad of the family, was a bassist. And my dad put that on when, when he used to take music to other people's houses back in the 18th century. And he said, listen to this bass playing. And I was like, what's bass playing? Because obviously on that track, especially that bit, it, it, a lot of people would just hear the guitar. And that's really it. It's so dominant. But really, Eric Clapton's guitar there, Eric Clapton, the racist wanker's guitar there, is just doing widdly, widdly, widdly all over the place. But the bass playing there is just bloody wonderful. It's, it's... He's, he's doing a really nice job between going off on his own and then holding it back. He sort of keeps – he sort of goes – he go. He doesn't venture too far from the uh, the source, but he ven- he does venture from it, and then he just sort of he's sort of locking it all in. And it's quite. Someone said to me that if you want to listen to sort of how to listen to jazz, not said to me. Uh, this is a thing I've said before. Um, Adam Needley, who is a YouTube uh, and other really informative, very well uh, read um, jazz musician. Or jazz fusion musician uh, said, "If you uh, said in some one of the episodes that if you want to sort of understand bass, the jazz listens to the bass first, and that's sort mm. of what he's doing is that he's holding with Ginger Baker's doing driving everything. The bass is holding everything together, 
and he's doing a really good job of that. It's like it's more in a way, it's more jazz than it is what's jazz the, rock in a way. The it? other thing that kind of makes it slightly jazzy is that he's he was also mucking about with the rhythm. You know, obviously, say mm. Ginger Baker on drums driving it forward. It's Jack Bruce, the bassist. Just in case anyone didn't know, I shouldn't assume everyone would. And there's little bits where he's like, and it just the interplay is just lovely. I don't the rest of Cream I find a bit twee and a bit annoying, but that track is just so great. Yeah, it's it's not their song. It's a it's a I wouldn't say it's a classical song, but it's certainly 1920s or sort of depression era blues track. Generally, Cream didn't wander that far away from that. But right, so. Your first choice. I'm quite excited because I've got My no idea choice. what it is. No idea at all. Would not have guessed that. I mean, how good is that baseline? Is that Donald Duck? That's Donald Duck and the Mickey Mouse Five. <laughs> no, it's a basis. Don- Donald in brackets Duck. Done. No, no, no. That is actually the guy. I looked into this. The guy is a, he is called. Uh, I got my notes up. He is called Wilton Felder. Wow. He is a he. He was like a session bassist and a professional jazz sax- saxophonist. God, just not content with just one instrument. But uh, Donald Duck Dunn was, he was one of the Motown. Yeah. Most this guy, bases, this guy was one of the Motown ones. He was like the West Coast Motown guy in the 60s, I think. Whereas, uh, and but the, the, the other one is James Jameson. And, you know, like baseline wise, I was going to, I was about to go for James Jameson. But I don't know. I, when I was, in my early twenties, I went and took some bass lessons, precisely for the reason. I didn't to know get you could old. get bass lessons. Well, you, yeah, this this guy is uh, he's he's um, uh, he, but I went to get them precisely for the reason that um, I played a lot of metal, I played a lot of punk and ska, and I knew I knew how to do that. I knew those ideas, whereas I sort of went to expand my palette, and that was one of the first things that he he introduced me to. And it's it's the timing of it is so precise, and it's it's not bang. It's sort of it's not even on the one and. It's the one and one a e one e one a and e. So it's like on the point, you know. It's on the on the point of the half step. That's uh, the same with reggae, note. isn't it? Yeah, reggae's reggae's sort of behind the beat slightly. Um, and and yeah, it's just such a solid solid baseline and. Um, I, I went for classic bass lines because I couldn't. I base. I went for my choice. My way of choosing stuff was bass lines that I sing to myself because I played them so much. Well, that that one's brilliant. You you picked up a really interesting point that I nearly chose a Duran Duran track. Now, not a fan of Duran Duran. Not a fan of Jackson Five or Michael Jackson really. Although growing up in the eighties, it was hard to to avoid. You could buy that bar, um, bad album you could buy anywhere they literally sold it news agents just it went far beyond record shops anyone who who had a place that could take money would try and sell that but 
Duran Duran, I've realized recently the bass playing on a lot of Duran Duran tracks is phenomenally good. Just really, really good. And in my head, I've just put the connection together between a band that we're going to play later on and Duran Duran's bass playing style. I can't remember the guy's name. Oh, let's call him Bobby. Bobby Bass. But I, I would like to say I, I grew up on Michael Jackson and um, I have a deep, deep love for mostly 60s Motown stuff. Um, I just think. And also the bass player, James Jameson, was such an amazing musician. It said that he... They were all jazz musicians. They all just sort of off on the off hours. They all just went down and made some more money playing jazz, um, and also that's what they sort of like to do. But it was said it was sort of the idea. Apparently, the idea was that when everybody was given their music, James Jameson could read it so quickly that he used to play practical jokes on everybody else. Was they were trying to get together with their own charts. No um, one likes uh, the bassist playing jokes. No, no, because but he was so good. Anyway, next track, because we're on a time limit. Oh, yeah, this is a short... I chose that, I mean, because there is just bass, so it's quite blatant, but that is Pentangle. So the band, uh, the chap I mentioned earlier, Bert Janisch, that's his band. And that clip took a little bit of finding because it's from a, it's from a, um, a live performance that was recorded in a studio. And it's, it's, it's not on the standard song. The song's called Reflection. Bass playing still good on it, but there's a bunch of stuff started popping up on YouTube in the last few years where people have, are doing 4K transfers. So when things were originally filmed, if they were filmed on film, the quality is still like much, much higher than, than even 4K. And this, this is what kick-started the Pink Floyd episode that I did yonks and yonks ago with, with Simon Fimbo. But the bass playing style there is so wild. And it's so it's got the slides and the aggression and the real it's got the real thump on the fretboard. That's like 1969 or something. That real thump on the fretboard that you get with psychobilly bassists. Well, I, I was listening. I was, um, I was, I didn't know who Pentagram was when I was putting this together. So I did a bit of investigation because, yeah, the bass, the bassist is, he's not really a folk bassist. He's more of a yeah. jazz bassist. Mm. And he's almost like straight up jazz bassist who just happens to be in a folk band. Um, <laughs> and um, I looked at one of their sort of seminal recordings and it has a cover of a Mingus. Uh, right, because I'm I'm on a journey. Well, me and my wife are on a journey with with where are you going? Kind of with, with to the land of psych folk, um, <laughs> but kind of folk in general. Because I've, I'm yet to hear anything by Pentangle that, that I didn't like. I, I need to find an album. I want a lot of bands that I get into. I want to find a jumping in point. Um, well, he, he, I mean, yeah, he, the, the, the whole band didn't do, it was, it's more like a, it's a solo bass rendition and to take on a Mingus song as a solo bassist, uh, means you've got to have your chops and I'm the guy, the guy's very impressive. He's a really, really good bassist. Danny Thompson, I think his name is. Yeah. And he, I, I don't get what's folk about him whatsoever. He is jazz. 
<laughs> I, I love that. That's cool. I'll, I'll put the clip. I'll put the live um, recording, studio recording in the. God, words is not good happening today. Um, I'll put I'll put a, the video in the show notes. Sure. Next track. Woo. <laughs> what a cut! <laughs> well, that, that was beautifully done, Sam. I really like that, uh, listener. I'm normally the one who who does what we call the clipping, you know, to getting getting the tracks together. But that that's wonderful. Just just getting that douche. Yeah. So, who was that? Uh, can you guess? Uh, Rush is about as close as I can get. No, Guns N' Roses. Ah, uh, no, I wouldn't know. Wouldn't know at all. Uh, Guns N' Roses. The track is "My Michelle." And it's from the first album, which is one of the greatest debut albums by any band ever. Um, use Your Illusion. No, it's not Use Your Illusion. That's, what am I doing? Uh, Appetite for Destruction. That's um, not their first album. No, it's not. Well, no, I'm not going to argue with you. I know nothing about Guns N' Roses, apart from the fact I lost a girlfriend once because I told her Slash was shit. Oh, well, you were wrong. Um, and... <laughs> uh, uh, is it, what's the bassist called? Duff McKeegan, I think, um, is uh, a completely underrated musician. I think he gives Guns N' Roses its actually unique chord sensibility because I've heard solo albums of his. And he plays, actually through that whole album, he plays really nice melodic lines and they're a lot of fun to play. And I just love that intro sort of like, you know, it's, he's, play, he's playing a lead line basically, with a bass. And then you have that growl when he hits that... Oh, oh yeah, that's lovely, the, the little yeah. low note. And it just sort of like, you have this gentle sort of intro and then you just have that, like, this is the aggression that is just hinted at that's going to hit you in a second. And it's just really, really nicely done. The beautiful, most eloquent and appealing description of anything to do with Guns N' Roses I've ever heard. He was He was committing what a younger Andrew... Younger me would have thought of as a bass crime during that. He had a bit of chorus and a bit of flanger on it, which was such an 80s thing. And I, I considered it a crime against bass humanity until I got into or heard some early, oh, God, magazine. Who was the bassist of magazine? I don't know. Oh, shit, I'm going to have to look it up. But I Barry, Barry something. I'm going to look it up. Barry, Gib- but- Barry Gibbons. Barry, don't because I'll, I'll go. Yeah, probably. Uh, but magazine, so the band that was formed after it was like a splinter of of the Buzzcocks, and I, I got given a copy of Barry Adamson. Barry Adams, oh, fuck's sake, Barry Adamson was the bassist, and he uses that that sort of slimy, <laughs> flangery <laughs> thing. But his solo album's really, really, really good, really brilliant. In fact, if you like some of the the current six music hot stuff like um, the the oh dear. the son of the guy who was did hit me with your rhythm stick. <laughs> this is terrible. Ian Jury's son. Baxter Jury. <laughs> if you like Baxter Jury stuff, which I do, I think it's it's really interesting, really interesting music. 
then yeah, the Barry Adamson our solo stuff's well worth looking up. So there you go. That's that's the longest conversation anyone's ever had around bass flanger. Bass flanger, that's true, <laughs> uh, because you know it is a mostly very rarely used thing. Um, next thing, talking about a flanging bassist. Come on. Uh. One of the joys of, of doing the podcast and listening to music through, I've got like, you know, studio monitoring headphones, is I hear stuff in tracks that I've known for 30 years that I've never heard before. There's little mm-hmm. squeaky top bits in there I've not heard. And that was Blur with Won't Do It, which was one of the B-sides of the remix of There's No Other Way. Because <laughs> sometimes a single would be released and the record label would release a remix for single version. In fact, that's the only time I can think of it ever happening, but... Alex James, the uh, Tory cheesemaker, his bass, his bass playing on that is. I based all my bass playing pretty much on that track when I first started, and I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't play like that for shit. I can't think of anyone who can. It's just all over the place. It's, it's got to be have. He's got to have a natural ear. He's got to have an ability just to let his fingers do what he wants. I can't, e- I can't even imagine that's actually written that bass. I think it's quite, I was thinking this, uh, and I'll, I'll get to it in a bit, but um, yeah, he's a sadly, you know, great bass player, player, and I think we should do maybe our next one on musicians that we hate, but also really oh, I don't hate expression. him. I don't hate him. I don't know. I saw, I like I his Instagram. End, but... I know, okay, people, people we don't enjoy the uh, exposure of. Uh, in other forms than their music um uh but yeah it's it's ever it it has like it has relationship to what that uh that cream bassist was doing as well which was over ever so slightly going off on its own thing but then sort of pulling it back and being and being um sort of the point of connection between the whole band um, love Graham Coxon's guitar playing on that. It's like Robert Fripp in a really bad mood or something. <laughs> I just want to make noise. Yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, love it. Okay, next one, next one, next one. Ooh, let me feel your heartbeat. Grow faster, faster. <sighs> <laughs> wow, Queen is going to come up sooner or later. With, with, yeah, with I mean, choices. John Deacon is amazing. Um, talk about a bassist who has a natural ear. Joey Deacon is amazing as well. <laughs> I'm not going to go to hell for that. Queen uh-huh. bassist Joey Deacon. God, that's going to mean nothing to someone who who didn't grow up watching Blue Peter in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so what I loved about that was sort of 
the, the song is a, is a masterclass, I think, in a way that um, every John Deacon bass, bass line is a masterclass, but that one is particularly good in that he is, um, he is particularly brilliant at evolving a bass line. And in, the whole band is, is, is like this. I'm not sure so much about the drums, but um, certainly Brian May and Freddie Mercury and uh, John Deacon were brilliant at making all their parts uh, movements rather than I'm just going to play the same four, bass riff four times. Never considered that at all. It, it, this is one of the many joys of doing this podcast is you, you really open... You've really enhanced my my listening ability. I, we do, uh, yeah. You've done the same for me, but the, but for me, learnt, I learned how to play. This is one of the again. This is a song that I uh, I learned how to play the bass riff of, and um, it's so cleverly put together because it's sort of like the first time he plays that those first time they use those chords the bass is playing a similar thing, but it's different. And then the next time they play it, he's getting more, and he goes from being very straightforward to them being more elaborate, to them being even more elaborate. And there's also like all these nice sort of punctuation. He's, his syncopation game is next to, you know, it's next level compared to a lot of people. And um, yeah, uh, I just think that, it's a masterclass in restraint in a way because he's sort of hinting at what he could do and how far he could go. But he's going, nah, actually, I'm just going to keep everything on and only emphasize things that and only bring it in things that are sort of interesting to bring in rather than having to play every single note that you can play all the time, um, which is an interesting thing to go on to our next classic British pop group. I mean, listening to things in 30 seconds just allows you to get to a detail that you might otherwise skip. Uh, thanks for recording your snot, uh, Mr. Rotten. Is that what it is? It's him going... Oh, I didn't get that. I like the beginning of that track. The, the start is so weird. Mm-hmm. It's so... It's like... I didn't even know if they like put their hands on the reel-to-reel when they were doing the master transfer or something, but there's also... Something weird happens with the bass. Can you play it again? Because I, w- I wanted to hear the snot. But listen, the bass sort of goes wrong. There. What is that? Oh, I hear it. Yeah, I hear it all now. Sam, you're right. <laughs> Sam's having a coughing fit here. So oh. if you if you're not checked out YouTube yet, then then skip to the 31 minute mark of this episode if you want to see Sam. His uh, <laughs> <laughs> esophagus trying to leave his face. Uh, try so that... not to drink. Try not to drink water down the wrong hole. <laughs> um, just like 
what, what you're not seeing if you're not watching YouTube is Sam trying to drink water like an elephant, but using his cock instead of his snail. Um, <laughs> so that that was pop tones by. Now I'm not sure at that phase whether it was Pill or Public Image Limited. I, I get a bit hazy on on when it changes, but that basis was Jar Wobble, and that's just oh, it's so good. It wobbles. I, I, don't, I, I can't even say what's so great about Jar Wobble. It's, it's almost like playing dub, but that's that's I... some. I think it sort of has a similar aspect. Well, it is complete dub, but it has a similar aspect of, uh, like, it's related to my feelings about the first Slits album, which is, it's so wrong, it's right. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah I, know what you, I know what you mean. And that that weird wrong note. Um, can you hear that noise? Yeah. What's yeah, that? that I'm well. My my studio is on an industrial estate, which might not be the wisest of choices. That's a pallet truck being dragged along by a by. A, there's a place over there called. Um, I'm not going to say what they're called, but they it's a place that that gathers tools together and sends them to Africa, which is which, which is smart, which is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, right, I've literally got a couple of minutes, and okay. I'm going to have to go. I, I so. had to do this. I had to do this, Andrew. I'm sorry. I was so tempted. Big I was, famous band. Big famous uh, band. I was so tempted to do all my choices as Primus. <laughs> do them all Primus. Yes. It was, I had to pull myself back because otherwise I wouldn't, it, it would have worked for a short episode, actually. It would have worked really well. I, here's Primus again. Um, God, that's uh, almost like a joke from uh, from Airplane, that is. You know, <laughs> I'd like some light reading. Right, his, was he like famous straight tennis players or something like that <laughs> you know the shortest episode uh queen's best hip-hop <laughs> just like just nothing i suppose under pressure possibly um yeah so that was primus and what nonsense was that that was jerry uh jerry was a race car driver and uh, that album guess- that album sold has sold over a million copies in the u.s alone can you get how like, weird is that can you get like stockholm syndrome with bands but like you, you, you hate it so much, and then you hear it so many times, it starts to sound familiar, and you start to enjoy it. Well, that's why I feel like about Queen's eighties, uh, most of Queen eighties output. But uh, I've heard it so much, I start to really love it. Um, and uh, you got to go. I know. I've just remembered that we've got we've got some correspondence. <laughs> oh, shit, I, I need just to find it. I just, I just don't understand. I mean, I understand the voice is uh, repulsive, and it's like, yeah, it's it's up there with like one of those voices of like, you gotta, you know, it's hard to, it's hard, it's a hard thing to love. But the music, I mean, the guitar line is so good, and the bass is just so unique. You know, there, there's that, there's, there's that thing where. So Winamp used to have when you used to sort of put together all your stuff and you start to put them into genres. Winamp had one genre which was just Primus. <laughs> really? Yeah. Winamp, it really whips the llama's ass. That's what it used to say. <laughs> I'm desperately trying to find the correspondence. Um, we had one. 
Do you not want to? Do you want? You don't want to cut. You don't want to. You don't want to comment anymore on your You've relationship to Primus. No, I've got. I've got one from your friend Gareth Patch, mm-hmm. who said, "I like the way you, Andrew, said JC and the Lockabillies all the way through the podcast." Yeah, so the the last live review, uh, I, I spoke with great enthusiasm about JC and the Lockerbillies, and they are in fact called JS and the Lockerbillies, <laughs> which uh, yeah, I may not be uh, accurate, but I am consistently inaccurate. I had a ton of correspondence that is really, really special, but I'm not going to cram it into this episode, so I'll put it into the next one. I'm going to have to go right now because I've got another meeting, another meeting, I've got a meeting starting in four minutes. And I'm a middle-aged man who needs the toilet. Just use the just just go in the the, the glass. I can see the glass. It already looks like piss. Well, it's it's, it's Barocca, so my piss will come out the color of Barocca anyway. Um, Radioactive. Do you know? Interesting fact: the the average male's bladder holds exactly a pint. So a pint glass is just about enough, even if you're really busting. I so didn't try. Why not give it a go? Why not give it a go? I'm, I'm going to go. <laughs> okay, Andrew. Thank you very much for your company. Lovely to uh, see you. Lovely. You need to press stop and then it needs to upload the... Uh... I know, I know, I know. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop the podcast now. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Goodbye, good luck, and have a lovely time. Hey, hey.